Welcome to the latest edition of the Peter B. Collins Show, delivered by podcast from San Francisco. Our program is supported by great Americans, listeners like you, Chris Bryan of Salinas, California, Jane Boyle of Phoenix, Sherry Willoughby, just three people who are regular supporters of our program. You can help, too. Log on to my website at peterbcollins.com. On the right-hand side is the tab that says You Can Help. Our voluntary subscriptions start as low as $5 a month. And feel free to link this program to a friend and introduce them to the work we do here. You're about to hear another installment in the Boiling Frogs interview series, co-hosted with Sibel Edmonds. Her great website, BoilingFrogsPost.com. And as you know, she blew the whistle on wrongdoing that she saw at the FBI when she worked there as a translator. Now there's some legislation that is in the committee chaired by Joe Lieberman, the Homeland Security Committee, that's called a whistleblower's reform package. Only, it not only fails to fix the problem, in some cases it would make it worse, particularly for national security whistleblowers. And we invited a representative from the White House, Norman Eisen, special counsel to President Obama for ethics and government reform. They did respond to our request, but declined to make Mr. Eisen available for this conversation. I hope you'll listen carefully, and I hope you'll get active and write your senators regarding S-372 and tell them to fix it or ditch it. Welcome to the Boiling Frogs. With Sibel Edmonds, I'm Peter B. Collins. And today we present coverage of a new Senate bill which is intended, ostensibly, to protect whistleblowers. It is Senate Bill 372. And we had hoped to present a debate between Steve Cohn, who is the uh, founder of the National Whistleblowers Center and counsel there in Washington, D.C., and Norman Eisen, who is President Obama's special counsel to the president for ethics and government reform. And, Sibel Edmonds, you extended several uh, offers, invitations to the White House and Mr. Eisen, and you did get a response, did you not? Yes. Uh, we received a call from Mr. Eisen's office, and his assistant uh, said that he will not be able to make it. And we sent Mr. Eisen another invitation and asked him to uh, reconsider it, and we did not receive any response to, uh, to that invitation. Okay. And Steve Cohn is able to join us today. Steve, thank you for your time. Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I'd like to start, Steve, if you could give us a quick uh, summary of the history of whistleblower protection they, and, and along the way, we're going to explain some of the government uh, acronyms that are used here. Uh, but the WPA, the Whistleblower Protection Act, goes back, uh, well, to 1978 originally. Is that correct? Yes. In 1978, federal whistleblowers got protection under the Civil Service Reform Act. And in that law, they did a carve-out and national security-related agencies, such as the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, uh, were all excluded from protection. Mm -hmm. So what you had was whistleblower protection for many federal employees, 
but no whistleblower protection in the area of national security. And that is what led, over time, to tremendous uh, scandals in the national security area. Mm-hmm. Everything from the 9-11 failure to document to the false intelligence in the war of Iraq, a lot of really corrupt defense-related contracting, like the Halliburton no-bid contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a big problem. Okay. And there have been attempts to amend it over the years, particularly in terms of the interests of national security whistleblowers. Have there been improvements? Okay, so what happened over time is FBI employees obtained some protection, weak but some. The other national security employees have still almost no, they have no protections under civil service. Mm-hmm. Uh, the House of Representatives has twice passed a bill that would give all national security whistleblowers protection and full court access. It would prevent any unauthorized disclosure of uh, top secret or secret information, but would let the whistleblowers step forward, blow the whistle, and get protection. Mm-hmm. The problem has been with the Senate. Okay. And uh, let's just give people a brief sketch that under the current law, there is a a, a function that's called the Merit Services uh, Protection Board, Merit Service Protection Board. And this is a a group that hears complaints and processes them. Uh, And in the nomenclature, these are called PPPs, uh, Prohibited Personnel Practices. So if you are a whistleblower and you have been fired or otherwise uh, sanctioned for coming forward with this information, uh, that is considered a PPP, a prohibited uh, uh, practice, and uh, that would be forwarded to the MSPB. Is that correct? Correct. You'd go to a, a normal federal employee goes that has an adverse action, can have a claim heard by the MSPB. Mm-hmm. Under the House bill, you'd be able to take that claim to federal court. Mm -hmm. Under the current Senate bill, you're still pretty much stuck with the MSPB, which is a political organization. They're not real judges. They're politically appointed. And uh, it has a very bad track record. So one of the cutting-edge issues in this whole debate is whether you go to court or whether you have to stay with the MSPB. And just on the jumbotron in broad numbers, uh, how many issues have been brought before the MSPB in its existence, and how many people have gotten what they would consider to be satisfaction? Well, it's, it's, it's really bad. There'd be thousands of whistleblower cases. Mm-hmm. And the win rate at the MSPB in front of these extremely political judges is approximately 1.7%. Okay. So if you're stuck there, you're going to lose. The FBI is actually really interesting because they carved out an exception, and instead of going to the MSPB, FBI agents today can go to the Inspector General. And their win rate in front of the Inspector General is close to 50%. Really? And that's why the FBI is trying to destroy that remedy. Mm-hmm. And, and abolish it. Mm-hmm. Now, in a few minutes, uh, Steve, I'd like to walk you through some portions of this proposed Senate bill, and I will attempt to articulate what I think uh, Mr. Eisen would be promoting as benefits of the proposed legislation and give you an opportunity to respond to them. But first, I want to turn to uh, Sibel Edmonds, my co-host here and the founder of BoilingFrogsPost.com, uh, And, Sibel, given your own experience, uh, both as an individual whistleblower at the FBI and as the founder of the National Security Whistleblowers Coalition, you're aware of many individuals who have uh, brought forward significant issues and suffered various reprisals for their efforts to so-called blow the whistle. As you look at the situation... Uh, the uh, existing landscape of law and regulation, and the proposals in Senate Bill 372, 
What would you like to comment on for our listeners? Well, let me start this way. We are looking at existing laws, okay, that are absolutely terrible. They are really, really bad. And I really didn't think these, uh, the situation, the law, could get any worse. But obviously, it could, because now they are even going to try to make it even worse than what it is already. So you're already starting with a horrible, horrible law, as far as, especially as far as the uh, national security-related agencies' uh, employees are concerned. And now uh, they have found a way to make it even worse than it already is. So that's number one. I mean, we don't like the existing laws, and, and uh, well, of course, we don't want to see it get worse, but we want to start from scratch and put meaningful laws in place, which would only be, a, you know, maybe 10, 20 percent of what is required for, uh, for true protection for whistleblowers. What's really missing here, and people, they, they don't emphasize it enough, is implementation of these laws and the role of Congress, because uh, Steve just referred to the Inspector General's report. Even in uh, situations where the Inspector General's office issues a glowing report, okay, and I had this case, mm-hmm. the Inspector General's office for the Justice Department issued a report that basically supported my claim, and they said I was right. They said that I was fired because I blew the whistle. Well, in the end, it comes down to, well, so what? Because this is the point where the Congress can do something as far as holding or pressuring the agencies for accountability, not just by lip service, but by holding hearings and actually, in some cases, saying, well, I, we have six here. These are the tools given to us, to Congress, to get the executive branch do the things that they should be doing, our oversight power, well, they have abdicated that responsibility, and this has been the case for, for decades. Yeah, and it's it's really, you have to go back to Senator Proxmire from Wisconsin uh, to find the last real active uh, chairman of an oversight committee uh, who not just held hearings and grabbed headlines for a day or two, but who actually pushed for change and for accountability uh, for wrongdoing, whether it was overspending or uh, breaches of, uh, of security issues? Well, absolutely. And we haven't had that. The executive branch knows this. The FBI is very well aware of it. CIA is. Even when they had hearings, you know, we had Conyers holding hearings on Valerie Plain, the CIA uh, case with, with her husband being a whistleblower. Well, what happened? Nothing. Did we see anyone, you know, held accountable? No. Uh, was uh, her career restored, uh, the uh, you know, Valerie Plains? Absolutely no, because the agencies, they shrug and they say, fine, let's have some barking uh, session and, and have some kind of a dogs and pony show, and then it's all over because the Congress, they are not going to really, really do anything because they don't, because they haven't been doing anything, because there hasn't been enough public pressure on them, both from the media, but also from the voters, to hold them responsible and say, do this because, because we expect you uh, to do this. So that's one portion of it, uh, with the Inspector General's report and the existing laws that are already terrible. The other thing I would like to emphasize here is, because we are talking about that, the national security whistleblowers here, outside this law, the, the Whistleblowers Protection Act, there are other loopholes out there, there are other venues for the executive branch to retaliate against the whistleblowers, to gag them, and even if the law, Whistleblower Protection Act, was behind his whistleblowers, it would not work. One example is the state secret privilege with the intelligence agencies, Department of Defense employees, and that is a tool that the executive branch can use at any given time. This is the White House, this is the State Department, the CIA, and say, we consider this the state secrets privilege. We don't even have to prove, really, that it is. We are just saying so. We can go in camera, judge, and tell you that if you let this whistleblower bring her, you know, bring her or his case, that's going to destroy our national security, and we don't have to prove that this is the case. Well, that's one way. They can, they can uh, shut them off, the whistleblowers, and they can prevent the information from coming out, and they can prevent the venues, 
you know, from being pursued easily. So far, it's been very easy. Well, in this regard, the Obama administration has been no different than the previous administration. They have been invoking, they have been supporting, and they, they love the State Secrets Privilege Act, and they would use it for whistleblowers on important intelligence-related, defense-related issues, and they will use it big time. The other thing is the transparency, and that comes with issues such as overusing secrecy. One of the first things your attorneys want to do, at least this was in my case, and I know Steve Cohen's group, they do that, they go on their FOIA and they try to get supporting documents to help the whistleblower to Mm -hmm. bring his case or her case forward and, and to support his or her case. Well, under Obama administration, the FOIA actually has been getting worse. Just three days ago, there was a front-page article in L.A. Times talking about there's even less compliance with FOIA today than it was before. So just by overusing secrecy, state secret privilege, FOIA, invoking national security, they have all these different venues to uh, declare the Whistleblower Protection Act as moot. Now, on top of it, you have the Senate today trying to even make it worse. And where is the media here on this issue? Nowhere to be seen, because the Congress, the Senate right now, should be pounded with this. The same thing with the Obama administration, because as a senator, President Obama put his signature, okay? He signed it personally before his election, saying that he would absolutely be for protection, real meaningful protection for national security whistleblowers. Mm -hmm. And this is another turn he has made, and he has not fulfilled that, and he has changed on that. And the voters, the Americans, the people should know about this. So it boils down to the White House, and it boils down to Congress. And and without the media, without real public pressure, pressure, we are not going to have these protections in place. The secrecy is going to increase. Therefore, this is not on whistleblower cases. This is for the people, for country, in terms of national security, in terms of uh, defrauding taxpayers from their money. There will be no true oversight and no accountability. And the public needs to notice this is not about employment rights of whistleblowers or limited to some whistleblowers' employment issue. This is about one major venue for Congress to get information, therefore to have oversight, and therefore for us to have accountability. Well, and while the package uh, presents itself as reform and improved protection for whistleblowers, the mechanisms and the practical application of them actually suggest to me that this is an effort to further clamp down on on whistleblowing, particularly in the national security arena. Steve Cohn, uh, what's your comment? Uh, that is the tragedy here. Senate bill contains provisions that are dangerous, that will set protections back at least 30 years, and if implemented, will for our entire lives thwart any meaningful change. Now, let me just give you an example, state secrets. Mm -hmm. Under current law, state secrets is terrible. But the agency, the attorney general, has to go into court and get a judge to find the state secrets privilege. And they have to present some evidence in a sworn affidavit in camera, and a judge does have the power to say no, and that has happened rarely, but it does happen. But it's a big step for an agency to get the Attorney General of the United States to sign a sworn affidavit and go into court. So some cases get thrown out under state secrets, but it's still just a small amount. Under this new law, every national security-related agency, their head, the head of that agency, the director of the FBI, the director of the CIA, can unilaterally summarily fire any whistleblower and invoke national security unilaterally with no judicial review and block that whistleblower from every 
legal protection. Mm -hmm. You're thrown out of court, you can't file a claim, and that's the power vested with the director of the agency alone. Then what they did, and I call this the drunken sailor billet, and no offense to sailors, and no offense to people who drink a lot, but it's kind of <laughs> like they just went crazy. They just got power mad. I mean, then they, what they actually did was extend it far beyond national security to agency heads like the Department of Commerce, the Department of Justice, NASA for the astronauts, over one half of all federal employees. The directors of those programs would have the power to summarily dismiss the whistleblower claim. And, and let me jump so in like here. a radical expansion of the state secrets privilege contained in an enhancement act. And, Sibel Edmonds, I, I just, uh, you, your schedule's uh, conflicted here, and you need to go in a minute, but I wanted to get your comment on this in particular, because we interviewed John Cole, uh, former FBI special agent, uh, who in particular was in charge of investigating uh, leaks and other problems at the FBI, and he indicated to us that in your case, uh, Director Mueller, he referred to it euphemistically as the eighth floor where the executive suite is located at FBI headquarters, uh, but uh, in your case, the director was directly involved uh, in, in uh, having you fired over the issues that you legitimately raised. So to give this further power to those who, at least as a class, uh, as a category, in the past have shown their willingness to, uh, to silence whistleblowers using any available means, uh, this is, is just adding insult to injury, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this will not or is not uh, that rare when you're looking at some really high-level whistleblowing cases within national security intelligence-related agencies. And, for example, in my case, the director actually was also uh, involved in discussing the case before deciding to uh, making the decision on invo invoking the state secrets privilege with another agency, and that was the State Department that later came to light, that they even had meetings with high-level people in the State Department to use this as a tool, state secrets privilege. Mm -hmm. Sabelle, thank you very much. I need, you, I know you need to go, and uh, we will continue with Steve Cohn here. On thank uh, you, Peter. On, thank you, Steve. Thank on, you. It's excellent to hear from you, Sabelle. Thank you. Same here, likewise. So, Steve, one of the things that uh, in her comments that Sabelle didn't directly raise is the way that in the category of whistleblowers in the uh, intelligence and national security communities. Uh, their security clearances are vital to their performance of their jobs. And you could actually retain uh, a job, say, with the CIA or the NSA after uh, blowing the whistle. But if they deprive you of your security clearance, you're not able to perform the duties that uh, you were tasked with and uh, that you were entrusted with. And we've seen cases where security clearance reviews are conducted uh, with the very clear goal of stripping those clearances, and the only reason appears to be retaliation. Yeah. Now, the security clearance issue is very, very big, because if you work in the national security field, no, and, I just, and it's important to understand that the majority of employees in national security aren't like watching al-Qaeda spies. They're, do, they're performing other functions, like administering billions of dollars in contracts, billions. They're running programs. There's all types of issues of tax, the waste of taxpayer money and just straight-up mismanagement. It also covers what most people identify as a national security issue. But if you just look at the numbers of whistleblowers, by denying them rights, you're really covering up a lot of financial shenanigans. Well, and, and but, let but me... the clearance thing is it doesn't matter what function you play. Mm -hmm. Like, to be an FBI agent, you must have a top-secret clearance. If you don't have the clearance, you're automatically fired, regardless of your actual function, whether you're doing civil rights cases, white-collar crime cases, or you're actually in the national security area. Mm -hmm. So by taking away a clearance, it not only means you will be fired, but 
you won't be able to get a job in the private sector because all of the contracting jobs require clearances. So if you blow the whistle and put your clearance at risk, you are putting at risk your entire professional career, both within the government and in the private sector. So that's why the clearance issue is such a large issue in any type of national security case. And Steve, let me just put a face on it, because I know one of your clients is uh, a woman I have great admiration for, Bunatine Greenhouse. And she was a, a special auditor at the Pentagon, and she blew the whistle on contracting deals uh, uh, surrounding the war in Iraq. Uh, No-bid deals that favored Halliburton subsidiaries, uh, and uh, that sort of thing. And her security clearance was not to permit her to read, uh, you know, intercepts of Osama bin Laden's uh, satellite phone calls. It was to uh, be able to fully perform her job to audit the huge spending of the Pentagon on the war in Iraq. Yeah, and then just to cover, you're 100% correct. Bunny was not just an auditor. She was the top civilian contracting official for the Army Corps of Engineers, equivalent military rank of general, with the authority to approve all of the contracts concerning the reconstruction of Iraq after the war. Mm-hmm. So this is billions and billions of dollars, and she protested the no-bid, multi-billion, multi-year contract to Halliburton. Mm-hmm. you got to go back to the run-up to the war. Tremendous pressure to get United States to invade Iraq. And we now know there's faulty intelligence. But behind that, there were powerful corporations that were negotiating and being rewarded before the war billions and billions of dollars in no-bid contracts to fix Iraq after the war. These companies would become lobbyists and lobby forces Supporting the war, because they're going to profit from it. Mm-hmm. Bunny, in her position, reviewed those contracts and determined that they were illegal, that they were unfair competitive advantage to Halliburton against small businesses. That was one of her jobs. You know, if it's no bid, you're actually you know, not letting a lot of honest contractors get in there and try to make the money. Mm-hmm. This had nothing to do with national security nothing to do with uh, the actual war effort. This was about money, mm-hmm. money, money. And, and in retaliation for protesting those contracts, she was removed from her position in that contracting and sent to the basement and stripped of all authority over any contract and stripped of her senior executive service position. The clearance issue in her particular case never came up because There was no need for it. Nothing she was doing was confidential or classified. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how it comes back under the new law. And this is where the new new Senate provisions, and these were written by the White House, but actually written by the National Security Establishment. These were written by lawyers for the FBI, CIA, NSA, and shoved into this law in the last minute. Here's the trick. And it's really insidious. Today, if, if Bunny or any other federal employee covered under the Whistleblower Protection Act files a whistleblower claim, the complaint is confidentially investigated. And the merits are confidentially given to the whistleblower. Why? Because years ago, when whistleblowers would step forward, their complaints would be investigated, and the agencies would make findings against the whistleblower. So instead of you know, being, you know, being rewarded, they'd get these reports written saying that the whistleblower it has no credibility, the whistleblower is wrong, the whistleblower is out to lunch, the whistleblower didn't tell the truth. So the employee just trying to report some fraud or misconduct would, would end up having to fight for their career. That was all protected under the, under the current law. If a whistleblower steps forward and files an allegation, 
Those allegations and the whistleblower's identity are protected under the Privacy Act, and it's up to the whistleblower to go forward with it. Mm-hmm. It's a really important function. It's a gatekeeping function. But if you blow the whistle, you don't have to worry about some government official issuing a report attacking you, because that report, what they issue, has to be kept confidential, only given to the whistleblower. Mm-hmm. Under the new national security provision, the independent offices that do the current reviews, which is either an inspector general or a group known as the Office of Special Counsel, they're, they're, they don't have that authority. It's given to the agency. So the FBI... Would investigate would, itself. The FBI would review the FBI whistleblower's case. Yeah. The CIA would review the CIA whistleblower's case. And, and guess what? The Privacy Act protection is stripped. So the whistleblower's claim to be reviewed by the very agency that was firing them, mm-hmm. and the agency is then given the authority to make a credibility determination on the whistleblower. So Agent John Smith blows the whistle at the CIA. The CIA fires him. Does the CIA like John Smith? Of course not. So John Smith now under this new law would have to go and file his claim with the CIA. The CIA then can take their second hit at John Smith. They can issue a report finding him unreliable, not credible. Now, under security clearance procedures, if an employee is unreliable, guess what? You can lose your clearance. That would justify a referral to have your security clearance reviewed. So by blowing the whistle, you would be opening yourself up to the very agency that fired you to make credibility and candor decisions about you without any Privacy Act protection, and that would then pretty much have to be given to the security office if they found you not credible. Mm-hmm. And then you could lose your clearance. This completely counters best practices, completely counters current law, and in our view, renders the new national security provisions uh, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because the courts and everyone can look at it and say, oh, you're a whistleblower. You should have gone back to your CIA employer for help. That's what Congress said to do. And then you'd say, well, I did, but they fired me in the first place. Well, you had your opportunity. Sorry, you lose. Or I was afraid to go because I didn't want to lose my clearance. Oh, you lose anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they set up a procedure and a protection, but they give it to the very agency that fired you to protect you. It makes absolutely no sense. Now, Steve Cohn, um, as I said, I have read through the bill. I'm not expert on it, but I have identified, I think, some areas where Mr. Eisen from the White House would probably say, look, this is how we are improving the whistleblower process and protections for people in the uh, intelligence and national security communities. And they would point to their proposal in the Senate bill for the ICWPA, the Intelligence Community Whistleblowers Protection Act, and that it would require an employee, I'm reading here, to first inform the inspector general at his or her agency who determines if the complaint is credible. If the IG determines the complaint is credible, he or she must transmit the information to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. The employee may also transmit the information to those committees if the IG doesn't determine the complaint to be credible, but there is a process for that. Then it says, as the House and Senate agreed in the conference report, the uh, ICWPA establishes an additional process to accommodate the disclosure of classified information of interest to Congress. And uh, so they would argue, I believe, that this is the way... Uh, uh, the legitimate and now proper way for a, a whistleblower in the intelligence community to bring a complaint forward. What would you say is practically uh, wrong with the process that is being outlined here with the ICWPA? Okay. The, the, the law-
obviously is not all bad. It does set up certain protections for employees to blow the whistle, and that's a good thing. But here's the problem. You can't, on the one hand, tell the employee you can blow the whistle here, but on the other hand, if you get retaliated against, you have no realistic way to defend your job. So, yes, the definition of protected activity is expanded, but the problem is the ability to defend your career and job still does not exist. Mm -hmm. I also want to say that under current law, this is very interesting, every federal employee, no matter what agency they work for, has the right to report waste, fraud, and abuse to Congress already. Under the old, a very old law passed in, I believe, 1913 in the Progressive Era that's still on the books. Now, the current national security establishment does not recognize this law. They, they, they essentially ignore it. But there's actually a law on the books that we have used for FBI agents with some success that says they have currently have the right to go to Congress. But without splitting hairs on what the protections are or aren't, they do the current that the, the White House Senate bill does expand the definition of protected activity. That's a good thing. But you can't give workers rights on the one hand, but give them no way to enforce those rights or protect themselves on the other. And Steve, then we have the practical issue that we don't have active oversight from the intelligence committees. And I'm from California, so I'm very familiar with the chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Senator Feinstein. And I'm sorry, she is not a uh, an honest advocate uh, for, uh, you know, equal rights for whistleblower and agency. Uh, I think that 10 times out of 10, she would defer to the agency over the whistleblower when uh, claims would be made of uh, state secrets, national security uh, uh, interests, etc. Well, and I agree completely. That's, again, one of the deficiencies in the bill. It doesn't say that you can go to Congress, to any member of Congress. It tries to channel the complaints to certain committees that have historically not been responsive to whistleblowers. So that's on the downside. And I'll say, like, on the FBI side, FBI oversight, the intelligence committees have done very little, if anything. But Senator Grassley, who's not even the chair of the Judiciary Committee and is in the minority on the Judiciary Committee, you know, as a Republican, right. has uh, done extraordinary efforts to push and protect FBI whistleblowers. So it's often the case that a particular senator or congressman will champion a whistleblower issue. So it's important that any law lets the worker go to Congress and pick out the senator or congressman who's going to be the most effective advocate mm -hmm. and not channel you to committees that have, that have historically been weak. That is a deficiency in the, in the, whistle, in the Senate bill, but... Uh, Believe it or not, the explicit permission to at least go to the intelligence committees is at least an advancement over current interpretation. Uh -huh. So it's not what we want, but it's a little better. Well, but, but, but if I may... parts of the bill are a lot worse. But, but see, I would see that as a brand new way uh, to be shut down. Yeah, uh, it would be, but they do not repeal the pre-existing law that says you can go to any congressman. Mm -hmm. So our interpretation is that under pre-existing law, you can go to any member of Congress, and this law does not repeal that law. If it did, then it would be a bad thing. For example, for FBI whistleblowers, they're actually explicitly repealing current rights. They're right today to go to the inspector general. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's being repealed. Whereas, you know, these other things are uh, uh, the, the, the right to go to, say, the intelligence committee is, is kind of an add-on 
to what we would interpret as your current right to go to any member of Congress. It's a battle. It's a deficiency. But they could legitimately argue that was a slight advancement. Now, Steve, one other issue where I believe that Mr. Eisen would say that this is an enhancement and uh, a step forward for whistleblowers is the proposal in Senate Bill 372 to establish a whistleblower protection ombudsman, and this would be a person in the inspector general office of each of the applicable agencies. Now, on the face of it, an ombudsman sounds good, but we have to ask who appoints this person, who they report to, what the terms of their freedom and independence to operate might be, and uh, as I read this, this is a kind of public relations function. But if this individual reports to his or her IG and in turn to the director of that agency, then we have no outside review or oversight, and the insider game could continue, uh, perhaps unabated. Well, the ombudsman provision is cynical, and it's a trick. I'll explain it. First off, there are many agencies have ombudsmen, and in whistleblowers, they almost never work, because a whistleblower case tends to be a little more controversial. And the first thing you'll learn is the ombudsman has no teeth, no enforcement. And if the whistleblower case could just be mediated by everyone sit, standing in a circle and holding hands, you know, you wouldn't even hear about it. No one would care. Real whistleblower cases are very hot and controversial. That's why it's a whistleblower case not just a misunderstanding. But let's see what they're actually doing in this law. Today, the Inspector General of the Justice Department has the power to go into the FBI, conduct a full investigation of a whistleblower claim, and issue reports and findings, including requirements to reinstate whistleblowers. Now, that finding can be appealed but it's not a, uh, like, a voluntary suggestion. It's an actual ruling that subject to appeal, but it's the first level of an adjudication. And the investigations can be thorough. It's not uncommon. Like in a case we just have, it's still under a Privacy Act, but they went in and interviewed 45 agents, made findings in support of the whistleblower. You know, it can be effective. Under this new law, the, that current investigatory power of the inspector general is removed and is transferred back to the agency. So instead of the inspector general of the Justice Department coming in and reviewing an FBI whistleblower's claims and conducting a full investigation, it is given back to the FBI, hmm. where it was 20 years ago, and where it was terrible for agents. So they're replacing full investigations with an ombudsman. That's cynical. That's wrong. And the ombudsman does not have the same uh, authority that you just attributed to the inspector general, correct? No, not, not even close. It's, it's, it's a completely different function. The current authority, say, for example, in the FBI is that the IG comes in and by rule and law must conduct an independent investigation, must make findings. Their initial findings are Privacy Act protected to the whistleblower, but they, uh, the whistleblower can appeal it or make it public. And, and that's an actual judicial-type ruling, that if the FBI does not appeal it, that worker wins their mm -hmm. case. It's not a voluntary thing. Right. And if it is appealed, well, then it's up to the FBI to explain why the IG is wrong. In but, other words, the whistleblower has tremendous credibility. And in almost every one of these cases, even if the FBI appeals it, it's very hard to fire a whistleblower if you have an independent inspector general report saying there was retaliation. It gives that whistleblower credibility it gives the whistleblower job protection through the judicial process. They want to take that away. That's why we're so upset. They want to take away a pre-existing right and substitute it 
with nothing. And Steve, uh, as you're talking, I'm just trying to process this in the national security arena, where the whistleblower either has or has been accused of uh, uh, whistleblowing around classified issues, then the ombudsman could file a memorandum in support of the whistleblower, but it would never surface because it would be covered by the uh, security uh, uh, status. It, It would be declared secret. And so this would be even further meaningless because there would be no way for the ombudsman to surface to an outside agency, a court, or Congress to to support exactly. to support and the contentions of the whistleblower. Edmonds case, which is really a fascinating view into this, the United States declared the state secrets privilege in her case. Right. Everything was supposed to be classified and confidential. So if an ombudsman had done anything, obviously it would have been declared confidential. Mm -hmm. Everything was. However, under this FBI whistleblower law, the IG came in and conducted a thorough investigation, issued a large report, probably 75, 80 pages long, ruled for Sabal, but because of the appeal rights, and it was part of a formal legal proceeding, it all had to be declassified and was, and it's released and it's on the Internet. This entire federal government report finding Sabelle credible, finding retaliation, finding that her allegations about abuses within the translation program of the, of the post-9-11 counterterrorism program were all valid, it's all on the Internet posted because it was her report. And, uh, you know, so, so that's what, what happens. The current process, because it's legally required and it sets the stage for further appeals if either side wants to appeal it, you get real rulings. It's not just some memo of an ombudsman, some internal letter that can or cannot be classified. Mm-hmm. It's the current process opens the FBI to public scrutiny. The process proposed in the new Senate bill will shut those doors, not just at the FBI, but across all the intelligence agencies. And those doors will be shut for the rest of our lives because this is the reform legislation. You know, they're not, they're not coming back two or three years to fix it. This is the chance to get it done right. And if we don't get it done right here, there's not going to be another second chance for the rest of our lives. Now, this Steve, Steve, I know that you have been active because uh, the commentary on uh, Senate Bill 372 shows some of your testimony. And uh, you told me before we went on the air here <clears throat> that you have been uh, uh, just recently uh, talking with senators and staff uh, about your issues here with this so-called reform. Uh, do they get it? Do they at least acknowledge to you uh, that this is a charade that, in fact, is not reform, but is a huge step backward in terms of the rights of whistleblowers and the uh, transparency of of government operations? And if so, what are the forces that are pushing for this, uh, this, this severe step backward? Okay. In these proposals... Uh, the, the current reform effort, I testified before the Senate committee in 2003. We've been working with Senate staff and House of Representatives to try to get a good bill through. As I said, a good bill has passed the House twice. The original version of, of S-372 did not have any of these bad things in it. And pretty much coming directly from the national security establishment itself. The general counsels and the lawyers, Justice Department, CIA, FBI, they wrote these provisions. They showed up in the end of July 2009. When we saw them in draft form, we literally told, we told the, the White House that this was terrible and they should absolutely not do it. We were not listened to. It went into the Senate markup without debate. 
without warning. I mean, if you were actually following this on the Internet, these words never appeared until they were approved by the Senate committee on the day they were presented to the Senate committee and approved. And is there an author, a Senate author? Well, the Senate author was essentially this would be Lieberman and Collins as the chair and the ranking member. Mm -hmm. But the real author was the National Security Establishment, and the committee just went along with it. We objected from the get-go, and nobody really listened to us. We objected in July when we first saw it, and the moment this bill was signed out by the committee, we objected to it and said we would have to go into opposition, which put us in a hard spot because... There are parts of the bill that are good, but this is so bad, we, you can't bargain you know, one against the other. You can't support a bill that's going to gut and really be uh, reactionary on national security like this bill is. So we went into opposition. We really weren't listened to. So we then turned to the American public through a series of action alerts in which we asked people to send letters and emails to their senators and congressmen. And thousands were sent, and we're still asking the public to send these letters. And believe it or not, those letters have gotten a positive response. As we've gone up there again, the, the atmosphere has changed. I believe there's now, there, change, there is a willingness to fix some of these provisions, which there was not all through the fall and early winter. And we were told by more than one person that the letters were having an impact. And what I want to say is some people say, oh, the letter doesn't mean anything. You know, I get some nonsense back from my rep. But let me say this. When the truth is on your side, when what you're saying is right, when what the other side is arguing is indefensible, in other words, So, yes, we could go up on the Hill and have a good intellectual discussion and win the debate. But without the senators knowing that their own constituents care about the issue, Mm -hmm. our hands are tied. They'll say, well, who cares about the National Whistleblower Center? Prove that the American people care about national security whistleblowers. If they don't, why should we? So, as I say, is we, I mean, we got tremendously positive feedback. Now, some of it you may consider negative feedback where members, staff members might say, stop these letters or these <laughs> letters are not fair. That, to me, is positive feedback. The moment we're told to stop it, we know we should continue and continue even stronger. Then, Steve, tell our listeners, uh, if you could, name a couple of members of this Homeland Security Senate Committee who you think need persuasion uh, about the bad elements in the proposed uh, 372. Yeah, it it comes down to two. The chairman of that committee is Senator Lieberman from Connecticut. Mm -hmm. He's the chair. He has the most power. The ranking member, which means the senior Republican member, is Senator Collins from Maine. No relation, by the way. And no, <laughs> and, and uh, those two senators, as the chair and ranking member, control the process. Mm-hmm. And though, now every senator can have impact because the, the senator Lieberman and Collins can. Pre- if, if no one else cares, they'll they'll do what they want. And they've both been very hawkish on national security issues. You can remember from the presidential campaign where, say, Senator Lieberman stood. With, with Senator McCain, Lieberman was clearly a hawk on national security. Right. So if it's just up to him, the national security establishment, and we've been told this, we can't beat them in a lobbying game. The National Whistleblower Center and a couple whistleblowers cannot beat the FBI or the CIA in negotiations behind closed door. We will lose every time. But if other senators get letters from their constituents, all of a sudden phone calls are made. And it's not just Lieberman and Collins. They also have to justify their actions with their colleagues. And their colleagues can raise concerns. And then someone may actually read the bill and see how bad it is.
mm-hmm. and then we may get invited up to explain how bad it is. Then all of a sudden, change can happen. But the essence of the change, the bottom line, is, is the American people, concerned citizens, letting their senators and congressmen know this issue is important. And I want to say, and one of the reasons we're very passionate on this is we, we have dealt with national security whistleblowers for many, many years. We know how weak the protections are for them. We know the hardships they've experienced. We also know that what they've blown the whistle on is literally, are literally issues of life and death. Yeah. They're issues of, you know, are we adequately protected from another 9-11? Or is there torture going on? You know, these are gigantic issues. You know, is there faulty intelligence that may actually cause a war? These are large, important issues where whistleblowing is essential. Now, and remember this. Through all these years, there's never been one example of a whistleblower harming national security. All of this hocus-pocus about top secret this and you can only report there and you know, the, the chicken little. It's just not true. The whistleblowers in the national security area have been professional, dedicated civil servants who've been trying to do a very tough job. And uh, they need help. They need the American people to stand up for them and, and make sure that in a whistleblower enhancement act, they get protection. Yeah. And Steve, uh, I have interviewed many people who carry the moniker of whistleblower, and to a person, they're uncomfortable with that label. They are people who believed in uh, the oaths that they took to uphold the Constitution, to, uh, that, that when they got their security clearance, that they signed agreements to report uh, any violations that they witnessed or became aware of. And each of these people, uh, in my view, simply wanted to do their job and wanted to do the right thing. And when they did, they paid a huge price for it. And so, uh, you know, I I think that there is some sort of uh, uh, notion of whistleblowers as troublemakers when, in fact, they're people who are dedicated to the missions of the agencies they work for and are often just shocked when their uh, their reports are are uh, responded to with retaliation and ultimately they lose their jobs, and one other issue that we haven't touched on is that in general, is there any compensation available uh, for a whistleblower either before their issues are heard or in the end if they ultimately prevail? Let me just I first want to deal with your comments. I think they're absolutely true about the credibility and the motives of whistleblowers. Go ahead. And the proof is in what they want in the law. Whistleblowers aren't saying, give us protection if we blow the whistle no matter what. They're saying, let us have a day in court so we can demonstrate our credibility to a fair judge that we can demonstrate what we did serve the public interest. And what the intelligence agencies are trying to do is say, no, you can never go to court. The only one who can judge your credibility is the very agency that fired you. If those agencies, those agencies know that whistleblowers have credibility, they know that the whistleblowers almost always act righteously. That's why they don't want the whistleblower to have court access. That's why they're fighting so hard to deny this little group of employees a a very fundamental right that's in the Constitution, a right to due process. So the actions of the intelligence agencies themselves vindicate the very opinion you just gave of the whistleblowers that you've had on your show. I must admit, I forgot the question. Uh, Is there any mechanism uh, to cover the legal fees that someone incurs when they uh, get fired and then try to uh, sue for justice? Yes. Under all the major whistleblower laws and even Senate Bill 372, if the whistleblower wins, 
attorney's fees and costs are covered. That is a good part of the law. Mm-hmm. It also permits compensatory damages up to $300,000, uh, and you can get you know, money for lost wages. That's a good part of the law. The bad part of the law is you still have to go to your agency and win your case in front of them, and that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it sets up, uh, in my view, a new set of hoops that makes it uh, virtually impossible to prevail, and the uh, the maze that already exists with the Merit Service Protection Board, which so rarely rules in favor of the whistleblower, uh, is just enhan- enhanced uh, yeah. under these so-called reforms. Exactly. And, and it's not... I just don't... I cannot conceive how a whistleblower can actually win under the law under any circumstance, the national security provision, because I have never seen an agency reinstate a whistleblower unless they thought someone out there was going to crucify him. You know, whether they thought they were going to lose in court or lose in a congressional hearing or the inspector general was going to force it. I've been representing whistleblowers since 1984. And we would love to think that these agencies would wake up and do the right thing, but they don't. That, and believe me, when they make the decision to fire the whistleblower, it's often done at a very high level with concurrences. And every one of those bureaucrats who concurred has a vested interest in making sure that whistleblower never wins their case. Mm-hmm. So another bureaucrat within that agency is not going to rule for the whistleblower. It could harm their own career. Steve, is there anything uh, as we wrap up here that you'd like to mention that we didn't cover so far in this discussion? Well, the, the thing I'd like to emphasize is that at whistleblowerswithans.org, our website, we do have the action alerts. And that really is the single most important thing that everyone can do, which is to read it and send those action alerts to Congress, to the Senate. We already know they've had a very, very positive impact. They're going to start changing this law. The question is, can we turn something bad into something good? And, that, and there's only one person or one group of people that can answer that, and it's the American people, if they show concern for this issue. And as I say, if you look at the history of our country since 9-11 and what we've learned, this is a critical, critical issue for civil liberties, for the American way of life in terms of torture and due process, for preventing war, for, whole, you know, for preventing terrorist attacks. This is a critical issue. These are the workers, the employees, who are in a position to let the American public know the truth and they need a mechanism to expose the misconduct. This is a critical issue. So, you know, I think Sabelle said it at the very beginning, and I want to just repeat it now. You know, it's, it's, we haven't been able to get this into the news media as much as it should be. The major Senate bill, it's had a lot of action, but very little coverage. And we need the public to focus on it, and we need every single American who is interested or concerned on this to send the action alert, pass it on to their friends. And, you know, if our reports back from the Hill, the action alerts weren't working, I'd come up with another strategy. I'd say, let's do something else. But it is working. We are getting positive feedback. I say we're also getting negative feedback, which is extremely positive. They don't (laughs) like it. Makes me very happy. That's what, the, what we really need the American public to do. Steve Cohn, thank you for the work that you do, and thanks for joining us today to discuss this important issue. And again, uh, we did invite a representative from the White House, Norman Eisen, special counsel to the President for Ethics and Government Reform, but he declined to join us. And again, Steve Cohn's website at the National Whistleblowers Center is whistleblowers.org. Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much.